Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through his word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. Father, we do thank you for uh, how... um, how kind you are and how generous, generous you are that you have uh, spoken to us in history and you give us the Bible uh, and you give us your word and, you, uh, and we can have a living relationship with you through that, hearing you speak to us and, and thinking through how we can uh, apply it in our lives. We do pray your spirit will be at work uh, to help us understand these words and help us to, um, to, to move uh, towards obedience to you and also move towards uh, wanting to, to glorify your name above our own. And so we pray now, Lord, as we hear from it, as we hear from Romans 13, uh, you'll move our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so last week, I had the privilege of attending, attending a graduation, and I love that about my role sometimes, that you guys invite me to your graduations, I get to be part of these special moments. But this was not just any graduation. Uh, this was a graduation at the Police Academy. And uh, this is, I've never been to a graduation. Who here has been to a Police Academy graduation? No one, right? This was a full, like... I got invited. It was really cool. Um, Now, besides watching those um, inappropriate Police Academy movies from the 80s, uh, I had no idea what to expect. Let me paint the picture for you. I drove into this driveway of the Academy, right? It's this compound, essentially. I drove into this uh, compound. At the front gate, uh, there were men in uniform. They told me to roll down my window, to give me their name, to to give them my name and my license. Immediately, I got nervous. Roll down your window, give me your license. Like, you know, this is palm sweaty, you know, knees weak, arms heavy, nervous, right? Now, I don't know why. All they wanted was to make sure that my name was on the list. I was on the guest list. Yes, my name was there. So I drove in. They told me where to park, uh, and I parked, and I got out of my car. Again, they needed my name, ticked me off again. More police officers. I walked through, found this courtyard where they directed me to go to this courtyard. And in this courtyard, there were just hundreds of police officers. It was swarming with, I was surrounded by them. Never in my life have I seen so many in one place. Uh, all these law enforcement officers. But here I was. Uh, and and, and, and uh, yeah, I, I walked in with this anxiety and these nerves. Um, but as I looked around at their faces, they were all smiling. They were really happy. They were graduating. And all of a sudden, oh, okay, I, I'm, they're not here for me. I, I, I can feel at ease, you know? And yeah, the, the vibe just changed. There was a joy in the atmosphere. Uh, now, you're probably wondering, you know, um, why were you so nervous, Mikey? Yeah. And, and I, I, I really don't know. I, I shouldn't be nervous because I hadn't done anything wrong. Uh, but maybe it's, because I've only, maybe it's because I've only had negative experiences with the police. Maybe when I, you know, when I was a teenager, run-ins, or when I got caught speeding a couple of times when I was younger, getting pulled over at night for no reason, that's happened to me. Uh, or maybe I've just watched too many movies, right? Too many movies about police brutality and all that stuff. Uh, and, and I was just like, oh, I've got the skewed perception of police officers. Now, that's an issue I need to work through, an issue I need to work through in my own heart and perhaps my trauma. But how do you see people in authority? How do you feel when you might uh, disagree with, with politicians in, in charge who get elected, the decisions they make? 
uh, there might be a politician that, that gets elected that you really don't like, that you really don't agree with. How will that impact the way you live or speak in regard to them and the laws that have, they've set down for us? I find this so interesting because uh, we're in Australia, right? But in the US, it's such a big deal, isn't it? Which, which political party you follow. It's such a big deal uh, that you might get defriended by friends, like if, if, you know, if you're a Democrat or Republican. It's such a big deal over there. Um, it defines who you are. It, it's so divisive even. And, and some in the church, even what, from what I hear over there, uh, that they'll go as far as to say, you're only a Christian if you support this political party. Now, it wouldn't be a surprise if I heard something like that even here in our own country, which party you support. But all these thoughts and my, uh, I guess my own experience of being at that police academy graduation, it made me think about this passage here in Romans 13. So interesting. How should we think about governing authorities in our world and in our nation? How does the, uh, the Christian live under governing authorities, not just the law enforcers, but the government? who lay down the law, regardless of whichever government is in charge, whether they have Christian values or not Christian values, or whether or not you supported them or voted them in. See, if we're Christians, how are we called to live under governing authorities? I know it's easy, isn't it, to, to badmouth and disrespect our leaders. It's easy to speed, cut corners, break the law if no one's watching. But perhaps we need to reconsider and rethink this stuff for the sake of our faith and for the sake of our integrity as God's people, as the church. And I'm preaching this today, uh, and I'm preaching this to myself as much as I am to you because I'm that person who often thinks, why should I care? Why does this even matter to the Christian life? Last week we finished at chapter 12, and, and Paul, the author of Romans, the apostle of Christ, he spoke about how we're called to love and do good to our enemies. Do you remember that? That's at the end of chapter 12. Love your enemies. Don't take justice into your own hands, but leave vengeance and justice to God. And so you can understand then, it's, like, it's a good segue into, into chapter 13. If, if justice is God's work, he begins this chapter saying, subject yourself, approach the governing authorities uh, who perform things like justice and law. Subject yourselves to these governing authorities. We should be willing to subject ourselves to them because God is the one who appointed them to rule. Let's read it again from verse 13. Have your Bibles uh, with you. It's always good to have your paper Bibles, actually, if I can encourage you to use paper Bibles so you can sort of flip around easier and see the context of what's going on. But here in chapter 13, verse 1, let me read it again. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. First thing we need to see is that God has instituted authorities to be put in place to govern. When we want to resist, when we want to, say, topple the government, uh, we're opposing God. Now, we do live in a safe country. All right? We're privileged to live in a safe country in Australia. We, we, we have a pretty decent government compared to other nations especially. We live in a democracy, freedom of speech, religion, and so it's easy for us, right? Uh, yeah, I can be subject to this government. I'm okay with them to a certain extent. And they're there, we're told, to serve the people uh, later on. Um, but we know that in other countries, political leaders aren't always great. We know in our own country, political leaders aren't always great. Imagine being in a country where you don't get a say, where the government was crooked, corrupt, 
suppress our freedoms and did whatever the heck they wanted. You can think of a few countries now, can't you? That come to mind. Imagine the church in ancient Rome that Paul was writing into. They lived during an era of the Roman Empire where they had the most cruel, sadistic, insane, like power-hungry leaders that ever existed. During the time of Jesus, do you know that the emperor at the time, his name was Caligula? If you, if you look into this guy, just even on Wikipedia, he did things like he slept with other men's wives, he put a statue of, of himself in the, in the temple at Jerusalem to be worshipped, he had incestual relationships with his three sisters and then prostituted them out afterwards. There was a time at the, the arena where he got bored, so he ordered the guards to throw a section of the audience into the arena to be eaten by wild beasts, to be mauled to death by wild beasts because he was bored. He even... One of the craziest things he did is he appointed his own horse to be his pro-counsel and, and to be a senator. His horse was a senator because he just could do that. Why not? You know, so this was, the, this was the emperor at the time of Jesus' time. And then after him, not much long after him, there was Emperor Nero. You guys would have heard of him if you'd, if you'd done ancient history. He was the most infamous one in history. You know, stories say he slept with his mother, then murdered his mother. He raped and then murdered his stepbrother. He kicked his pregnant wife to death, then got a man who looked like his wife to castrate himself and married him to play his wife. That was his personal life only. And what happened is, uh, if you know about the great fire of Rome, he, he caused that around 60, 64 AD. And he caused this great fire in Rome and then he blamed the Christians for it. This was the emperor at the time of Paul. He put Christians on the stake and lit them up on fire and used them as torches in his garden when he was throwing a party. That was the government of Rome. And this is what Paul is referring to when he says, subject yourself to governing authorities. Isn't this nuts? He's saying God has appointed them to rule. He says this, and he's, I'm, a, I'm guessing he's saying this in the sense that everything is under God's rule and control. He even sets up the government we need government, subject yourselves to the government. Now, it wouldn't have been ideal, right, for the Roman Christians at the time. It would have sucked to have to be subject to a narcissistic, cruel, Christian-hating emperor. To subject yourself to authorities that want to torture and persecute you it doesn't sound easy, does it? God appointed this government, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that we need to agree with their methods or support what they do. But we do need to be subject to God and the authorities in place. Even a, a tyrannical leader like the Roman emperors were. That sounds hard. And, and sounds like it doesn't make sense. But why does he say this? It's because when we subject ourselves to authorities, we subject ourselves ultimately to God. We might not understand why God would allow this to happen. I don't. Sometimes we might not agree or make sense of the law or the governing authorities and why they've, they've decided on policies, policies that we disagree on. You might live in a country, we're privileged to be in Australia, well, you might live in a country though where you're persecuted for your faith, but you're still called to live your faith subject to the government that persecute you. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting because even in our own country, we do complain a lot, don't we, about our, our government. We do have uh, problems with the way that they run our government, and that's totally fine. We should disagree at times. Uh, it was, it's, it's, it's funny because for me, right, I, um, I studied law in my previous life. So I did a law degree at, at uh, university when I was younger, in my undergrad. And the more I studied the law, the more I personally realized how imperfect the system was. Like justice was determined by judges and, 
and juries and laws that I didn't always agree with. And, and it was literally, justice was left in the hands of men and, and, and women and, and lawmakers and law enforcers. Yet at the same time, while I might question the law, I actually, I don't have a better solution either. And, and so what I'm saying is, uh, you know, we, I'm not saying we should trust our government blindly or that we have to agree, but what Paul says is to be subject to them. Be willing to follow and respect them, even if we disagree, when we should disagree sometimes. Because when we do that, we worship our God. See, I, I think what we see throughout our world is how this plays out differently. Uh, you know, it's the whole church and state thing. Uh, the church or religion that, you know, sometimes you see countries where the, the church or religion tells the state, the country, what to do. And so you see this in some Muslim countries where Sharia law is in place. You see this in the Vatican as well, where the government is subject to the religion in charge. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you also have some governments telling the religion what to do, some governments that tell the church how to run church. And so you see this in, in countries like China, for example. Um, but Paul, I think, wants us to subscribe to the idea that there will always be a government in place that may or may not be Christian, but either way, the church has to function alongside the government. And I think in here, in Romans 13, what he's ideally saying is that the church will function alongside the government and see a partnership. Rather than one above the other, it's a partnership where we're uh, not suppressing Christianity, not suppressing religion or anything, but we're subject to the law of the land while also being able to speak into the law of the land. Does that make sense? It's running parallel. This is ideally what Paul, how Paul is sharing with us how we should see the government and how the government should run. We discover here in this passage that both the government has a responsibility to God and the ones being governed has a responsibility under God. Our, government isn't, our goal isn't to topple the government or start a coup uh, or think our faith values or our principles should be forced upon everyone in the land. We don't need to be a Christian state be nice but we don't need that paul isn't saying pray for a christian government is he it is nice when the prime minister the president has his own you know, has his own personal faith in christ like we see with with scomo but our role as a church is not to overthrow human governments influence yes we want to speak into write letters warn and influence yes christians can play a part in the process but we aren't waiting for a christian empire are we to rise up to take over the world we don't need that we have our king. He sits on the throne. His name is Jesus. He reigns supreme over the whole universe. But in the meantime, we do need, as Paul has called us to, subject ourselves to the governing authorities that God has appointed. Now, why might it be good to do so? Here's the second thing we need to take note of, is that God gave them a responsibility to fulfill. Verse 3, For rules are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrong door. Now this passage really speaks to me here. Rules or authorities generally will not be, right? Will not be something to be feared for those who do good. Right? It should be feared for those who do bad, right? So, you know, when I went to the police academy, I shouldn't be nervous. I haven't done anything bad. I haven't done anything wrong. Besides a few you know, speeding tickets, I don't have anything to fear. But if you do wrong, and if you continue to, you should be afraid. If you have broken the law, you should fear what's coming to you. That's what he's saying here. 
God has appointed people to enforce the law for the good of humankind, for our neighbors, for our community, for order, for human flourishing. It's a good thing to have governing authorities. Right? So if there are, say, here, if there are people that are going to deal drugs after church, <laughs> there are going to be people here who are, who are here to, to, to prey on little children or do any other illicit activity, we should call the police. We should call governing authorities. People should be afraid if you're doing wrong. Justice needs to be served. I strongly believe in justice. Order needs to be maintained. God has put in authorities for our accountability and for the sake of love for our other fellow human beings. It's really interesting because I was at that graduation uh, and there was a speech given to the graduating class that was so inspiring, so empowering uh, to, the, to this graduating police class. Uh, the man said something like this, and I'm paraphrasing because I, I was taking notes. He said, you've been selected to serve with the Queensland Police Service because we see the potential in you. By being selected, you've been given the opportunity to serve. But with this opportunity to serve comes also its responsibility, a responsibility of, of integrity in the public and private life and a commitment which is more than just to the Queensland Police Organisation, but to your state and to the people of Queensland. In your commitment, do everything in your power to make a contribution to the people of Queensland. And he finished his speech saying, we thank you for choosing to serve your community this way. Now, everything I thought about the police just changed after hearing that speech, right? It was really impressive. I was given an insight into how the police are to see their role, at least. They're police officers in this world. Like, there are police officers, right, in this world who take advantage. Take advantage of their position. They do despicable things. They think they're above the law. There is police brutality in this world. There are people who haven't done anything wrong, but they have to fear for their lives. It's sad, right? We saw this happen in the US with the George Floyd case, right? It's tragic that that has to happen. But at least what I learned in this graduation ceremony was this, the Queensland Police Service are encouraged and they're taught that their job is to serve. They have a responsibility. They play their part to uphold the law, which is a good thing. This Bible passage here is saying, verse 4, these governing authorities were appointed by God to do good. That's the ideal. They're responsible to do good for society. I don't, think I've, I don't know about you, but I've never had the attitude or taken the time to say to a police officer, thank you for serving our community. It hasn't crossed my mind, honestly. Paul wants us to see the authorities and lawmakers and enforcers as servants who will carry out God's justice and wrath on the wrongdoer. That's a good thing. It's not perfect. There are innocent people who often get thrown into jail that put on death row for crimes they didn't commit, which is really tragic. The law isn't perfect. It's why we need good defense attorneys, lawyers, judges to do their best. But the institution is designed in principle to do good for our world because there is evil, there is injustice that happens, and so God gives us governing authorities that will carry out the law so that human society can flourish, can have order and peace. It's pretty amazing when you think about it, isn't it? It's pretty amazing because I know there's a lot of people in this room who, who love order, who can't handle chaos and disorder, that we're wired in our hearts to desire that order and peace in our lives. And with that idea, God actually creates institutions so that we can have order and peace in our society. Imagine if we didn't. How many of you guys would feel really uncomfortable 
if there was chaos and disorder where there was no governing authority and it was every man for themselves. We'd live in a chaotic society. Everyone would have their own rules and their own laws. I know just hearing that, does that make you anxious? Like <laughs> You feel unsettled right now? We'd see, we'd, it'd be the whole end of the world stuff that we see in movies, the apocalypse, you know, is coming. Everyone's, every man, every, humanity descends into chaos. Every man from this, we need order, don't we? We need structure. We need leaders. We need people who have authority. We need justice. So at the end of chapter 12, we heard that earlier. I said that God calls us not to repay evil with evil, to trust that God will do, do, uh, seek vengeance on the wrongdoer. So one way he does that is through the law, through governing authorities who in serving our community are ultimately serving God in their roles for justice and for order. The government is to serve and do good for our nation, for the people. That's their responsibility. Yes, they don't often do that. Yes, they fail badly. Yes, sometimes they allow injustice and corruption to thrive. It happens a lot in other countries. When they don't protect, it happens in our country. When, when governments don't protect, for example, the rights of unborn children or turn a blind eye to the inhumane ways we treat refugees and asylum seekers, when they don't put money into the aged care or to care for the disabled, they fail at times. And they, as God's servants, will be held accountable to God. And for people like the Roman Emperor Nero, world leaders that, that don't do good for the people, they will be held accountable to God. They were appointed to lead, but they failed to do good. But you know what? We too have to play our role as the people who are being governed. Let's read these last verses from verse 5. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. As we subject ourselves to governing authorities, we do it for the sake of conscience. What does that mean? We don't do it blindly as if uh, everything the government says goes. We do it for the sake of honoring God. That's our conscience as Christians. God as our rightful king and ruler. Yet while we do, again, we do have to respect those in charge. We do pay our taxes out of respect to them, to give them honor. And and this sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's in the Bible about paying taxes. Remember, uh, Jesus was approached and asked that question. Should we be paying our taxes? Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, uh, whose face is on this coin? And they said, Caesar's face, you know, the emperor, Caesar. And he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Paul's echoing that. The church is to honor and respect the authorities, but our lives ultimately belong to God. Now, I know this is hard to do. Uh, it's, it's so hard. It's easy to badmouth our politicians to respect them. Man, half the time they're idiots, right? That's what we think, at least. They, they, they sometimes do a bad job. Yes, but will we still respect them even if we disagree? I might not always agree with the Premier. I might not always agree with the Prime Minister. But I respect their hard work that they put into leading our nation and state. Man, after the last year with the pandemic, man, you know, respect. If I was in their position, I'd have a nervous breakdown. If I had the responsibility that they have to be scrutinized by the public by the way that, like, in the way that they have, are we grateful for them? Are we grateful that they put money into improving our roads, thinking through policies, providing a good healthcare system for us, caring for the more vulnerable and putting money into aged care or government housing? I don't think I appreciate and respect the government enough. I am that person who doesn't care enough about politics. 
but I can appreciate how hard they work, the responsibility they have. Uh, Twelve years ago, I, um, when, I gra- when I graduated, I applied for this job at Centrelink. It was a graduate position, and I had to move to Canberra. Imagine if I did that, my whole life would be completely different. But if I got that, like, I, I made it to the team interview stage, right? And so I had to work with a team of people in my interview. And uh, this, the exercise was, um, they, they, it was a hypothetical, this is the budget, uh, and they said, how would you distribute these millions of dollars to different sectors, right? Like, like age care or family pay or Oz study and job seekers. How would you distribute these millions of dollars? And you have to work together as a team to and explain why, present, explain why you divide, divide up the money the way that you would and all that sort of stuff, right? That was the exercise. And I was reading something. I have no idea where to start. I have personal feelings about where I, should, I would put the money, but everyone has different opinions on this stuff. The government has to make these decisions for our country. You know how hard that is? I had a newfound respect for our leaders and those in charge. It's not easy to bear that responsibility. You will get scrutinized. But what's really interesting, Jesus also says, give to Caesar what is Caesar. So let's pay our taxes, let's respect our government. But he says, give to God what is God's. He's saying that the, the government's rule isn't absolute. And Paul is saying that when he says we subject ourselves according to our conscience. We can't submit to everything that the government says, especially when it's in opposition to God's laws. We don't subject ourselves if the government was to call us to, to sin, for example. And when we see that in the Bible, there's a, you know, the great story of Daniel in the Old Testament. We're going to be looking at Daniel later in the year, which I'm really excited for. I'm not going to give it away, but he was called to, to bow down and worship uh, statues as the king commanded him to, and he courageously refused and disobeyed the governing authorities. We have to figure out what it looks like. We, we, we have to subject ourselves according to our conscience as Christians and with Christian, our, our faith and with God's laws in our heart. We're still called, even though we're subject to, to governing authorities, we're still called to, to, to stand for truth. And I'm so thankful, aren't you, that we live in a democracy where we can and should protest, write letters to our senators and push for righteousness. We should speak against certain government laws. We should stand for justice. Yes, their job is to promote good, but sadly, they don't always do that. We, the public, can speak into that. We have a role to lovingly rebuke and speak into our leaders what is best for human flourishing. But ultimately, we have to see who's in authority. We have a king who sits on the throne that we worship. We have a God who is above the human government, who is righteous and who won't ever be corrupt. He has our good in mind. And it's so good to come, it's, it's so important to come back to that truth. Why do we do any of this? Why do we do any of this with the government stuff, this re- subject? It's because we worship God. Because of Jesus who has saved us, loved us, and gives us the security and freedom that we need. Let the government rule. We follow a, a risen king. But let me say this, I know, that, I know that many of us here in this room, I know some of you at least, are good law-abiding citizens. That's great. You don't speed, you don't pirate movies, you won't jaywalk even. You want to follow the law as best as you can, and that's great. That's great. But even with following all the rules, being an obedient citizen to your country, to your government, guess what? You could live your whole life being obedient, but not giving the obedience to the one who truly matters into eternity. In our security in Christ, we're called to subject ourselves, yes, to our governing authorities, but it's because we want to be subjects ultimately to God who rightfully reigns.
So are you standing for God? Are you, or are you standing for yourself? To be that good person you want others to know you as. There might be a day where we will have to refuse to obey the government. We might, if not already, be living in a country where the government doesn't share our Christian values. One day, Christians might have to stand for truth and in protesting for truth, get arrested and thrown into jail. Will we stand for Jesus when that day comes? Because already around the world, there are Christians today who are standing for truth, who will face persecution for their faith by governing authorities. I've heard the stories where they'll, where they, they, they'll take your house, they'll throw you and your family in jail, even if your family haven't done anything wrong. I've heard the stories where they're, they're joyfully going to prison and sharing the gospel to, the, to those in prison, that Jesus is crucified, that they have a spiritual freedom that's so much greater. Will we stand for Jesus ultimately, even if the government tells us we can't? That's a reality for so many right now. But for us living in 2021, here in Australia, this is what we're called to do. Honor the government, subject ourselves to the governing authorities, be thankful for them, pay our taxes. But let me ask you, will you pray for them as well? Pray that they'll carry out the God-given responsibility that they have to do good for our society and the people. Yes, our favored political party might not be in power. We might not be led as a Christian nation with Christian values, but we're called to play out our role. We don't have to be nervous about the police. And although governing authorities are hard to trust and sometimes hard to follow, we can be at ease, ultimately trusting God with our lives because he is the one who reigns. He is the one who has power. He's the one who sits on the throne. Let's pray. And Father, we do thank you that you're a God who is in control, a God who is king over our universe. There's nothing that goes unnoticed by you. You are the one who cares for human flourishing and our world. You appoint authorities in in, in, in their uh, position so that we can uh, have order in our society, that their role is to serve and do good and our role is to, to honour them and respect them as we honour and respect you as our God and our King. And so we pray, Lord, that you'll give us a heart that, that thinks about these things. You give us a heart that actually considers how can, uh, what, what is it that I'm doing today that can uh, honour you, God? And sometimes that is just as simple as following the law and, and being subject to the governing authorities around us. I do pray your spirit will continue to teach us these things and show us these things. And in doing so, we can honor your name and make Jesus big in our lives, make Jesus known uh, and, uh, and make Jesus look good through the way we live. We do pray for this now in your son's name. Amen.